You're listening to the Women's Health Cast, a podcast about issues and innovations in women's health from the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. I'm Jackie Askins. Dr. Samantha Butts is a reproductive endocrinologist at the University of Pennsylvania. She visited our department to deliver a special lecture on vitamin D and reproductive outcomes. We sat down to talk more about why vitamin D is important to fertility, how she incorporates this information when she's working with her patients, and where the research needs to go next to show how vitamin D and reproductive health interact. I'm very pleased to be sitting down with Dr. Samantha Butts from the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, Welcome to the Women's Health Cast. Thank you for having me. Uh, You presented a special lecture this morning that I'm really interested to learn more about. But first, tell me what you do at the University of Pennsylvania, a little bit about what your practice looks like. Um, So by formal training, I'm an obstetrician gynecologist. I subspecialize in an area of our field called reproductive endocrinology and infertility, which just means... I see patients who have issues with um, or challenges trying to achieve a pregnancy when they want to. So we evaluate patients like that. We offer them treatments depending on the evaluation. I spend a lot of time seeing patients who have complex gynecologic issues as well. So heavy menstrual bleeding due to a variety of things chronic pelvic pain due to diagnoses like endometriosis, disorders of the menstrual cycle that can be a personal challenge or that can also uh, interfere with their fertility. I help a variety of individuals and couples achieve a pregnancy who are single individuals, who are in the LGBT community, um, patients who are interested in their future fertility, either because they have a diagnosis and need treatment that might compromise their fertility in the future. One of the most obvious examples of this is people who have a cancer diagnosis and then need treatment, and that can make it harder for them to get pregnant. But just people who were thinking about what their fertility life goals are, where they stand right now, and sort of wanting to be proactive. So it's it's a a wide range of patient types that I see and, and thankfully am able to help. And I spend time also teaching students, teaching physicians in training about how we do these things, um, the treatments that we do, educating them about women's health and fertility. And I spend time also doing uh, clinical research, which is a lot of what I spoke to today at Grand Rounds. This morning, you presented a special lecture to our department of OBGYN. Um, It was called Vitamin D and Reproductive Outcomes, Moving Beyond the Current Observational Data. Can you tell me a little bit about what you covered this morning? Of course. One of the research areas that I am passionate about and have spent some time working in is thinking about how some of the most common and potentially easy to rectify things in our lives can impact women's health and fertility. So and and part of my part of the appeal of this research to me is that the kind of things that I've spent time looking at are things that patients can wrap their heads around, are accessible and you know generally make a lot of sense. So things like vitamins. We we often tell women who are trying to become pregnant to take vitamins. We generally tell patients to take vitamins as a pathway to a healthy life, we should also spend the time doing the right kind of research to really understand how those vitamins and the vitamin deficiencies like vitamin D 
impact your ability to achieve a pregnancy when you want to, the development of a pregnancy, and, and all manner of outcomes. So vitamin D deficiency is something that I think a lot of people kind of have a sense about. A I think a lot of patients are getting screened for vitamin D deficiency by their primary care doctors. There's a lot of news around vitamin D and research lately, how it could be associated with things like asthma, diabetes, heart disease, cancer. That's all an evolving area of research. And my goal is to see how we can get more of a better understanding about how vitamin D deficiency in women who are trying to become pregnant how that affects their ability to successfully do so, and maybe even how it affects the growth and development of a baby once they've become pregnant. So for anyone who's listening who's maybe not as familiar with, I guess, with vitamin D, I want to yes. take it like a step back and talk about, you know, what is it? What are some yes. common sources? And then beyond just pregnancy, why is it important in the body? Sure. Vitamin D is something that I think we've all been taught to think about in terms of your bones and rickets and, and things like this. It, vitamin D is actually the only vitamin that we as humans can make ourselves. The precursors for vitamin D is in everybody's skin. So the easiest, most efficient way to have vitamin D, to absorb vitamin D is by getting natural sunlight. So vitamin D is something that we can make, but a lot of people don't get enough of it because one of the other important public health priorities is to prevent skin cancer. So we are told, and this is excellent guidance, that we should be wearing sunscreen and not getting so much UV radiation. So, you know, that is, you know, that makes it a little bit tougher to get vitamin D in your skin, which means we need to look to nutritional sources and sometimes supplements. But it also means that in general, there are a lot more people who are walking around vitamin D deficient now probably than in years past because there's so much public awareness about preventing skin cancer and wearing sunscreen. So, you know, we can get vitamin D in our diet, but it's actually not that easy. It's in fortified milk. It's in fortified orange juice. It's in a lot of number of fish sources and eggs. But those are the main places to get it. And if you're not getting it either from exposure to sun or in your diet, then the last place you can get it from is supplementation. And depending on what your vitamin D levels are, if they've been checked, there's a variety of doses of supplementation that you can take, but it, it depends on what the goals are of supplementation. What's the risk of overcompensating with vitamin D supplementing? That's a great question. Vitamins fall into a couple of categories. They're the vitamins that are what we call water-soluble, and then there are the vitamins that are fat-soluble. So water-soluble vitamins are like B12, folic acid, and they get excreted fairly rapidly because they don't get stuck in your fat cells. Vitamin D can get stored in your fat cells. And that's okay, especially when we get into the winter months and we're not getting so much vitamin D from the environment. But if you're taking high doses of vitamin D and not being closely monitored by a physician, your vitamin D levels can get very high. And it's, it's not common, but some people can develop vitamin D toxicity, which really 
is mostly a concern because it can drive your calcium levels up, which can cause problems. So what I, I would tell any patient is if you are taking higher doses of vitamin D than you typically find in a multivitamin, it should you should just be regularly monitored by your physician or check in with your physician. And I think ultimately any patient under the supervision of their doctor should have very clear goals about what the vitamin D is going towards. Why are you being treated like this? And what are what are the endpoints that we're trying to get to? And how are we using this to try to better your health? I was particularly interested in talking um, to you because of your, your research and your studies around uh, vitamin D and its effects on fertility. And I'm, I guess I'm really curious what we know about how those two are linked and what we understand about the mechanisms between um, vitamin D, vitamin D insufficiency and um, like low fertility outcomes. So I would lead by saying that this is an area that is still growing a lot. I think there have been some very interesting studies and research I would say we still also have a ways to go, looking at more women in general, more populations of women. Some people would even argue we should look at vitamin D deficiency in men in terms of how vitamin D may make an impact on sperm production, because we know that vitamin D can, there are receptors for vitamin D on the surface of sperm and in the male reproductive tract. So perhaps we're limiting the scope of the research by only focusing on women. We should look at women and men. And I think in general, in fertility studies, that's a good idea. Vitamin D can impact a lot of tissues in the female reproductive tract. So we know that it can, you know, it can bind to to tissues like ovaries, the uterus, the fallopian tubes. And we're still discovering the precise pathways that it affects. What we seem, what the, what the research seems to be showing us is that vitamin D makes an impact on the very earliest stages of the development of the human placenta and makes an impact on how successfully an early pregnancy can implant in the uterus and grow and develop. So that's important for things like risk of miscarriage or risk of later pregnancy complications. It appears that vitamin D also has an important role to play in how eggs grow and develop in the in their sort of pathway towards getting released and ovulated. And there's, you know, probably an important role that vitamin D plays there. You know, those would be two of the, the major sort of realms. There's probably also a role for vitamin D in the brain, and the brain is one of the most important reproductive organs for both women and men. That's something that we need to get a lot more information about, but I think there's many areas where we see that vitamin D is present, and our job is to just continue the studies, look at the data, and try to connect the dots about what's happening when vitamin D is abundant and when vitamin D is not. Does vitamin D have a role in pregnancy outcomes? So like in addition to affecting your ability to become pregnant, does it also kind of have any bearing on your miscarriage risk? One of the reasons that 
people remain interested in looking at vitamin D and fertility and pregnancy outcomes is because even though not all of the research has been consistent, there's been enough research that keeps nudging us in the direction to say we should continue to evaluate vitamin D's role and that it makes sense to study it. I would break it down in a, in a couple of ways. I think some people have suggested that when women are vitamin D deficient prior to becoming pregnant, it may be more difficult and take more time for them to achieve a pregnancy and they might have a higher risk of having a miscarriage if they do become pregnant. So that's just women in the general population trying to become pregnant. That's based on one uh, study, but it's a study that looked at a thousand women. When you then look at the population of women who have an established diagnosis of infertility, so they've been trying for at least six to 12 months without success, there is very strong evidence saying that if those women have vitamin D deficiency prior to initiating treatments for infertility, they could have a diminished chance of becoming pregnant or sustaining a pregnancy. On the other side, there is some research say saying that vitamin D deficiency in women who have infertility and are getting treatments is not making so much of an impact. So one of the biggest challenges when you're looking at all of this information together is to say, why are some of the results different? Which of these results apply to the patient who is sitting before me, right? If I, if I have a piece of research that evaluated uh, a population of patients in Italy, and there's some of this research is from there. But I'm sitting in front of a patient in Madison, Wisconsin. Do the results of that study fully translate over to my patient based on environment, ethnicity, the, the ways we treat infertility differently in the United States versus Europe? I think we have to sort of say this is research, but now I have to see if it's generalizable to the patients I take care of. Not that we throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we just have to look at the pieces and then look at the whole picture. Is there sort of a like one size fits all approach to addressing vitamin D insufficiencies? I think there's enough compelling research out there saying that for some women who have experienced difficulties becoming pregnant and who are vitamin D deficient, they're gonna experience more challenges becoming pregnant than those who were not vitamin D deficient. I also think it's important to say that there is a, this we should not take a cookie cutter approach to medicine ever, and it applies here too. I think there's strong reason to believe that in women with different causes of infertility, that vitamin D may have different levels of impact depending on what is preventing a patient from getting pregnant in the first place. And I think we need to understand that better and try to personalize the care for the specific patient, what brought them to the office, and then what makes sense. Maybe it's not supplementing vitamin D based on your cause of infertility, but maybe it's supplementing vitamin D for another cause of infertility. And we should aim to be as precise about these things as possible. 
I think. So how does this knowledge affect your patient care? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think, I so I always tell patients to try to aim to have the healthiest lives they can when they're trying to get pregnant. I think that's so critical across the board. And that means if you're if you exercise, you should continue to exercise. If you want to start to exercise, um, it's not a bad idea. We should just be as healthy as we can be when we're trying to become pregnant. Having an incredibly balanced diet that you know reflects getting you know uh, nutrients, micronutrients, um, staying away from things that are you know, generally unhealthy for you. You know, in terms of how this research affects my counseling, I, I really try to emphasize to patients that they should be taking a multivitamin, um, definitely with folic acid, that has the recommended amount of vitamin D in it, which is 600 international units per day. I think for people who are concerned about their vitamin D levels, I, I counsel patients that being outside and being active is an incredibly effective way to enhance your vitamin D levels. I never tell people to not use sunscreen, but I think if they can get a little bit of exposure, maybe sometimes before they apply sunscreen, I think that that's a not unreasonable compromise. I think it's important to acknowledge where we're at at this stage. I would say that even though I believe personally that vitamin D is, and vitamin D deficiency is growing in importance in fertility outcomes, risk of miscarriage, and other obstetrical outcomes. There is still a lot more work to do, and I would rather come to patients when we have so much more strong and robust research to make very specific guidance about who do we screen, how much vitamin D to give, how to give it, how long to continue it. All of these things are important questions that we still need more data to answer better. I think in the meantime, we should do what we've always done, which is support women in understanding as much as we can prior to pregnancy about their, their health overall, which includes uh, helping them optimize their nutritional health. And then as we get more information from well-done clinical research studies, then we revisit those guidelines and tailor them for the people, uh, for the patients as, as, they need, as they need to be tailored. What else needs to happen in the research to make sure we have the most complete story of how vitamin D and fertility interact? One of the things that I focused on in my talk today was the research that I think is important in the future to get as much detail about what's going on with vitamin D and fertility needs to look at large populations of women, diverse populations of women. And by diverse, I mean a couple of things, you know, diversity in what is happening with them reproductively. So what is the cause of their infertility? Diversity in terms of demographics, you know, across things like body weight and things like that. And finally, diversity in terms of race and ethnicity. 
I think if we're going to have research that serves all women, it's got to reflect all women. And I think we could, as reproductive researchers, be doing a much better job when it comes to vitamin D in that, in that realm. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. June is LGBT Pride Month. On the next episode of the Women's Health Cast, I'll talk to Dr. Ruth Yamani about reproductive health care for LGBT patients and what needs to happen to make sure healthcare settings are welcoming and inclusive for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community. The Women's Health Cast is a production of the UW Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can find the Women's Health Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. And of course, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WISCOBGYN. Please let us know how we're doing. Rate and review us on your podcast app and let us know what women's health topic you'd like to learn more about. Thanks for listening.